Big D Entertainment, in association with Dipsy Doodle Productions, presents the Dave Holly Hour. Brought to you by TJS Ceramics, Posh Boutique in the Bridges at 57th, The Sky in T, XL Chiropractic, Quality Nails, Jesse Moffat Entertainment, and Sonny's Pizzeria. The Dave Holly Hour features Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment Conversations. A true lover of arts, entertainment, good food and fun times, including an occasional Jack Daniels. Okay, so a few Jack Daniels. Here he is, Dave Holly. Zach Dresch, thank you for the great introduction that you nail each week. By the way, in a few weeks, I'll be announcing something fun that Zach has asked me to be a part of. Meanwhile, welcome to Empire Arts and Entertainment Lovers. This week's show features the Premier Playhouse Managing Artistic Director, Oliver Mays. Their production of Cinderella starts tonight. He also gives us a look ahead to their 21st season. Then local comedian Reed Baxter just recently got back into the comedy groove. He's also looking forward to being a father. Plus, we'll tell you who or what gets this week's honorable mention, as well as choose another winner of pizza with a podcaster. But first, let's pop the cork on this bubbly little show. Time to grab your favorite beverage, lift it high, and toast it to being Thursday, a.k.a. Weekend Eve. Hey! Weekend isn't around the corner, it's here! So long, hump day in your frumpy way. We say hello to Thursdays with opening nights. The weekend is near and we can see the bright lights. Yes, Thursday, you're so hearty. We can't wait for Friday, so a day early, we start the party. Make sure you lift the glass or whatever you're drinking out of high and toast to everyone involved in last Friday's Last Comic Standing Competition. Absolutely great turnout and fundraiser for the Junior League of Sioux Falls. Fun celebrity judges, great comics. Congratulations, Nathan Holtz, winner of the $500 prize. Also congrats as well to Jerry Irby and Skylar Volks for second and third places, and to all of the other comics for taking their time to participate and Sioux Falls and surrounding area, Sioux Empire, yeah, did yourself once again. Wow, what a big crowd. What a great responsive crowd. So a toast to everyone in the audience. And can't wait to do it again next year. The Weekend Eve Toast is brought to you by The Sky in Tea. The Sky provides all caps fun. And that is best had with friends. Hey, have fun playing darts. Shooting pool. Listening to great live music from local musicians. Singing at karaoke. Testing your knowledge at trivia. You know what? Maybe that fun includes a whole bunch of people and you need more room. Might be a company party. Might be a benefit you're holding. The Sky's big back room fits that bill. No matter what's going on at the Sky, it's local and it's lively. It's time to choose a lucky winner of pizza with a podcaster. Everyone that follows the Dave Holly Hour on Facebook or Instagram is automatically entered to win a free pizza from Sonny's Pizzeria. We pick a winner each week. This week we say congratulations to Becky Knipe. We'll be in touch with you, Becky. Get you all set up for some jowl-dropping, show-stopping thin-crust pizza. 
Pizza with a Podcaster is brought to you by Sonny's Pizzeria, right across from USF at 26th and Waltz, and Sonny's at 81 on South Phillips. Check out the very fun and incredibly flavorful menu online, sonnyspizzeria.com. Honorable mention. Oh, what made Dave smile this week? I'm not going to go through the other stuff because it was a very serious subject. To the cast and crew of monstrous Little Theater's production of Independence, it had humor thrown in there too, but a special shout out to a great woman I've been admiring for many years, Sarah Crosby. Your portrayal of the mother was worthy of each bit of applause and platitudes you received. Bravo, bravo to all. And another little side note, uh, I like to talk about, you know, things being beautiful and seeing people uh, doing something that really is their passion. Now, uh, Debbie Jones, who started Monstrous Little Theater, didn't direct this. She wasn't in it, but obviously still had a big hand in everything going on. And as I was watching the play, I looked over and saw her and the smile that she had on her face as everybody that she's brought together for that production was just amazing. If others were looking, they could tell it was lighting up the room as well. All right. Later in the show, comedian Reed Baxter. But up next, from the Premier Playhouse, Managing Artistic Director Oliver Mays on the Dave Holly Hour. Check out the new ceramic studio in Sioux Falls, conveniently located off Kiwanis Avenue on 5th Street, TJS Ceramics. We have thousands of classic vintage ceramic mold items and several new items too. TJS Ceramics offers classes through the Sioux Falls Community Education Program and special open studio nights every Thursday evening. Bisque, studio time, or finished custom items are available. Visit TJS Ceramics Studio in Sioux Falls today. Helping women feel empowered and confident is what Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th does while supplying high quality clothing that fits your lifestyle, personality, and price point. Whether you want comfy and cozy, casual attire, or something for a special occasion, Posh provides quality, selection, and value. They carry sizes extra small to 3X and have something appropriate for any age. Feel empowered and get confident. Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th. Dr. Perry Langston and Dr. Corey Tooney know excellence is in you. That's why they provide you with excellent care at XL Chiropractic, improving your overall health in spirit, body, mind, and will. Get results the natural way. Arrange a consultation, 605-332-9235 or xlchiros.com. Excellent care for excellent people. XL Chiropractic, located at 4309 South Racket Drive in Sioux Falls. Arts and entertainment lovers, you hit the mark. It's the Dave Holly Hour. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book when it comes to the opening of a conversation, aren't I? It is always a pleasure to talk about Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment. And it's always a pleasure to have Oliver Mays. From the Premier Playhouse on the show, welcome back to the show, Oliver. Thank you, Dave. It is uh, so great to have you here in the uh, Dipsy Doodle Productions studio to talk about something that starts tonight here on Thursday night, Cinderella. Yes. 
Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Your studio is the cutest thing ever. Just have to say <laughs> well, that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, we are opening Cinderella at the Premier Playhouse uh, at the Orpheum Theater this Thursday, April 20th. And it runs through the 30th of April, and it's going to be a pretty stellar production. Our tech has gone, our tech and dress rehearsal processes have gone really well. So audiences are in for a treat. Excellent. And uh, I know that uh, before we started this conversation, you said because of tech and dress going so well that uh, you're at least a little less stressed. Yeah. I'm like, I think we're all a little bit less stressed, which is really nice during a process that can inevitably be stressful. Um, it's just felt very rewarding in that way. The staff and team and actors as well have really worked together to be prepared and plan ahead and uh they're, I think we're all reaping the benefits of that now. So when we think of the traditional Cinderella, how is the Premier Playhouse production of it going to be similar yet different and put the TPP stamp on it? That's such a great question, Dave. I would say what's going to feel familiar um, and very similar to the traditional Cinderella presentation is the vocals. A lot of the singing is number one, gorgeous, but number two, uh, pretty accurate to what you would be expecting for a traditional Rodgers and Hammerstein musical or Cinderella fairy tale, right? So um, beautiful uh, legato singing. Um, the principal singers just have outrageous voices. I think that audiences will be floored. Um, and then the the ensemble sound is pretty incredible because our music director is a choir teacher. So he's very particular about um, cutoffs and uh -huh. tone and everything, which is amazing. Um, How you so sing the, a vowel versus yeah, a consonant. Yeah. So everything's very specific in that way. And so that's so satisfying when you're, um, when you're listening to the singing and then how it will be different is it is like kind of loosely, you know, it's a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. And so things are magical, but it's loosely set in the early 70s. So it's going to be a little bit more groovy than you're used to. Okay. Um, so the aesthetic of the production, both both uh, color palette and silhouette and patterns, etc., those will be more inspired by the early 70s. This will be Austin Powers approved? Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Austin Powers approved. Um but yeah, and then it's, you know, of course, blended with the etherealness um, and like the forest aspect, like the nature aspect that is necessary, a necessary component of the fairy tale. Um, so you're yeah, I think the audience gets everything that they really need to like mm -hmm. be connected to the piece um, and resonate with it. But then we just wanted to give it an interesting spin because Alex, the director specifically thinks uh that a lot of the the text and the themes in this version of Cinderella um, really particularly relate to that time. Um, and I think she's kind of right. And this is, so this is Rodgers and Hammerstein, but it's the most uh, rev like currently revised version. So it's the version that they did on Broadway in 2013. Um, and the book is a little heftier. So there's like, some really good scene work. I mean, the songs are stellar, obviously, but there's just a lot more meat to the piece. And because of that, um, she wanted to add even more depth by like kind of adding that setting and seeing what that does to the tension of the piece. Well, I always love it when uh, there's a, a traditional type show, uh, a very familiar name that we go to, and then we see the play, the musical, 
in a completely different light. Mm-hmm. And I, I have the feeling that uh, the way you've been speaking about it so far, that's what we're in for then. Exactly. I mean, I think we we don't want to stray too far from it so that people are like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> because Cinderella is a piece that people love. Right. But uh, we're also like people have seen so many iterations of Cinderella that still feel very similar. You know, they're all kind of laid out relatively the same. So we're interested in like interrogating that idea and um, playing with it. And uh, I have the feeling that we're going to see some sets that will be just incredible. I mean, yeah, the team is like Jill, our Jill Clark, our scenic designer, has a beautiful mind. Um, and then what able what Pierce is able to do uh, with building the set and working with the team to make it happen, it's just incredible. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of flaw. We do everything economically, I would say, though. We're really smart about the way we design and build because we don't want it to be too heavy or unsafe. We don't want it to be... Uh, we don't want it to eat up, eat up too much money because we don't have all the money in, in the world. Uh, so the team is really good at getting creative, and that's my biggest goal as the producer for them, is like, okay, how do we do this in a smart fashion mm-hmm. uh, that is cost-effective but also gives the audience what they deserve? So it, you're going to get every sense of grandeur, um, but just in a, in a way that you're probably not expecting. You know, one of the things people probably don't understand about uh, TPP at the Orpheum, then, mm-hmm. is the fact that uh, those sets get moved in from a warehouse. Exactly. Yeah. We actually rent the theater when we're performing in it. So we don't get to just like build on the stage and rehearse mm-hmm. on the stage. We're rehearsing in various spaces, whether that be in the Orpheum at the Zabel or in our offices. Um, but we also have offsite warehouses where um, one of which we rehearse on in and one of which uh, the set is getting built in. So, yeah, Dave is right. We build the set offsite and it has to be built in a way that is predominantly constructed, but not completely so that it can be. Uh, moved in a truck to the Orpheum and then unloaded by a team and assembled there and rigged on the fly system. There's a lot that goes into it. So the particularly Pierce, our technical director, and Alex, our production manager. But for this production, because Alex is the director, director. Pierce is also <laughs> actually the production manager. Um, and I assist as needed. So we're kind of, it's just teamwork makes the dream work, right? But uh, we do have a structure to it. And Alex and Pierce... Uh, in that structure really lead the charge and so they make a lot of it happen but there are so many people that come in and help us with the very various pieces um so it's just a lot of hours but then when the show opens it's super rewarding but i think audiences yeah don't realize that it's not like oh yeah we got to casually do this for months it's like <laughs> oh, no we had to figure out how to do this off site yeah. and then yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. all right well i can't wait uh we've got our tickets of course because we're uh, season ticket holders. Yes. In fact, uh, we were talking about that this morning. That okay, we've got uh, you know we named off the uh, all the season ticket places we have, and we go oh we just got TPP left, so we got to get those in the books, uh, and that will lead us to another conversation here in just a few yes. minutes. Uh, but uh, first of all, before we move on to talk about what you have left in this season, um, how many people are employed now at uh, TPP? Um, well, that's a really interesting question. So we have 
four full-time staff, mm-hmm. um, including myself, and two very full-time part-time staff is what I call them <laughs> because um, everyone in the organization is really giving of their time because it's still a volunteer-minded uh, organization. So, but yeah, so six uh, what I call permanent staff members, they're part of the their the operational staff. And then we employ a variety, a number of contractors for the productions. Um, All of our designers, our technicians, um, what I call our executors, um, and then like management leads as well. And so because of that, like, I don't know, I'd have to give you a number at the end of the season to see what, (laughs) where we landed at, but it's somewhere between 15 and 20 folks, um, at the end of the season, you know, each show requires a different amount Mm -hmm. of people. And that's kind of why we do it on the project by project basis for that. Um, but the, again, yeah, the core staff, they help make everything happen. All right, so we've got uh, Cinderella that uh, starts tonight and is going to run two weekends, correct? Correct. All right, and then how quick of a turnaround before Greece is the word? <laughs> Greece runs June 15th to 25th at the Orpheum Theater, and we just started rehearsals for that. There were This is what's crazy about the end of our season mm-hmm. is there's an actual overlap for two huge uh, main stage productions. Uh, so we're trying to juggle that, but... Uh, we started early enough where we get to kind of work with some of the cast and crew that aren't involved in Cinderella while Cinderella is happening simultaneously. And then, um, and then we get to focus just on Greece. So it'll be kind of a nice, like soft launch. Uh, and then we'll get going on the work, but we've got an incredible cast. We've got an incredible team. Um, Victor Shank, who designed our, a Christmas Carol set is designing, our grease set. So it's going to be pretty phenomenal. Well, you know, I, I do have a little bit of background uh, for your warehouse, uh, at least, you know, where the all the stage is made and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in there recently, did, did I see something that uh, could possibly be greased lightning? Yeah, that is correct, Dave. Okay. We've had the car. We've had <laughs> Grease Lightning for a while. That's a secret, but I'm going to let it out. We've had it for a while. Um, through various partnerships, uh, we have been able to retrieve a car from SDSU and then get it uh, kind of fixed up and repainted and uh-huh. zhuzhed up by, oh gosh, Lake Area Technical okay. College. Okay. I almost said South Lake Area, so that's not correct. <laughs> I'm still new to the area. Um, but yeah, so through this beautiful partnership with the two institutions, we were able to retrieve the car and get it remodeled for the production. Yeah, it's going to be fun. No it's, doubt about that. Yeah. Well, you know, Greece is such a fun thing anyway. And, uh, you know, okay, so you've gone Cinderella to Greece to end the season. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, you've now just released what you're going to have coming up for the 21st season. That is correct. All right, go through it for us and tell us what we need to expect out of everything. Yes, I will tell you about what Casey Kustak refers to as the season that can get you drunk on live performances (laughs) or can legally get you drunk on live performances. I saw that on Facebook and that made me laugh. Um, Yeah, we've got an incredible season coming up. Uh, we thought this season was great. Uh, and then the minute we announced this, we got feedback like, wow, how did you elevate that? Right. And you did elevate it. Um, and we did that by starting our season with The Little Mermaid. 
And then continuing into our annual production of A Christmas Carol, then our annual production of the premiere premieres. Um, We've also expanded, um, introduced a new piece of expanded programming called The Passion Projects. And within that program, we will be doing The Glass Menagerie by Tennessee Williams. Um, Then we'll move to Oklahoma, Rodgers and Hammerstein, again in April, which is um, kind of a cool... I'm not going to identify it as a tradition. We have enough traditions, but cool that we're returning to Rodgers and Hammerstein. And then we're closing out the season with Hair, the American Love Rock Tribal Musical. I said that wrong, but Hair. (laughs) Uh, Now... So you've you've uh, you know been hitting some of the biggies, and like you said, you know somebody said, "How did you elevate it?" Does that become a more difficult task each year that you're in this position? Oh, totally! It totally does. Um, I actually was kind of talking to somebody about this recently, where they were like, "Wow, we're doing like really big titles, but they're like the really good ones." Mm-hmm. So like, and I, I don't remember. They just said something around that, and I was like, "You're right." And I don't know, I think we've like landed on the big ones. So then we might have to restart and like try a new niche shirt. You know what I mean? I don't know where we're going yet. Um, it was cool to figure out this one, but uh, we'll have to start doing some interesting things to like keep elevating it. Well, in the meantime, uh, before we get to season 21, then there's no real stoppage at the Premier Playhouse because no. your summer is filled with camps and uh, different uh, programming and so forth. Uh, give us an idea of what is available to everyone during the summertime then. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, that is true because our main stage programming is through what I call the academic year. And then the summer is where we really uh, debut all of our education stuff. So we have Susicle Jr., which is through our partnership with the Penguin Project. Um, an All Abilities production, and that debuts in August. Um, we have our Shrek Junior Theater Camp, which is in July and debuts at the end of July or mid-July. And then I'm going backwards, I guess. Yeah. Penguin Project, uh, Shrek Junior. Oh, but then in the fall, we will have um, Winnie the Pooh which is for ages 6 to 11. And Shrek Jr. is for ages... um, No, sorry. Winnie the Pooh is for ages 6 to 10. Shrek Jr. is for ages 11 to 14. And um, we also have a playwriting workshop coming up on May 6th. So that's like before the summer at the... kind of wraps up our like classes and workshops mm-hmm. for this season um and we'll be announcing our upcoming season of like classes and workshops and all that good stuff in the summer all right well. and uh you know a couple of things that we need to really highlight first of all penguin project yes we went to that last year and it was so heartwarming mm-hmm. it's an incredible program and these uh kids are incredible they're inspiring because they have so much passion for this mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time, particularly for someone like me who like does it for work, uh, you can like forget about that piece of passion or like the what I call the joy of musical theater or the joy of theater. Um, and so they help us remember that. And um, Alex, our education coordinator, says it's her favorite thing that she's ever worked on. It like changed her life um, because of her direct like uh, contact with them. So. Yeah, I mean, just working with the artists and the mentors alike, they are so inspiring in that way. And then the result of it is just, that's how I would describe it, an inspired uh, piece. Because I think you can, as you witness, like you just see their passion 
um, for performance uh, shine through. And they're really funny. And like, uh, since we've had some classes this last season, I actually have gotten to teach and work with some of them that were in the production. And so I've gotten to know them better. And I'm like, you are a riot. Like you crack me up, you're good. Um, and so they're just bringing so much joy to the Premier Playhouse, and we hope to keep growing this program. And do you think that we'll be seeing some of those uh, in the All Abilities then making their way onto the main stage? I would say so. That's yeah. a goal. That's uh, a That's part wonderful. of our like accessibility uh, goals is that in having this program, we're giving people tools to understand how a theatrical process works because we do i will say this we're community-based but we do have a professional structure um we really surprise people when they come in and understand like all the steps that go into it and that we have that mapped out um and so we actually apply those tools to this program for these kids which is amazing and then yeah that's in hopes of as they continue to get older and um become vets of performance they can move into main stage performance uh, main stage performing and that's the same for our, our education programming as a whole we have like aviana steen who was mary poppins and mary poppins jr she's been in the ensemble of young frankenstein and cinderella this season she was martha cratchit in um, a christmas carol so a lot of the times the youth are like learning in our program and then get to reap the benefits of that in the main stage shows the other project uh, is one that you pretty well brought to the uh, town, and that is the premiere premieres. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you will notice there is a poster for the first one. I know. Here I was so studio. happy to see that. <laughs> <laughs> that brought me joy. Uh, what an absolute! Uh, well, it brought me joy too. Just what an absolute great time to have been involved in that. And uh, for those that missed it, let's. Uh, not so much recap, but, you know, give it uh, uh, some forethought since you're going to do it again. Yeah. What the project all entails. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Uh, so we actually have open play submissions for the premiere premieres for our next year already, and they're open through June 9th. And so that play rating workshop we're offering on May 6th, 6th works in tandem with that deadline to kind of give people a check-in or an understanding of like what we'd be looking for. It's taught by Kevin Cole from USF, who is also on our board of directors. He's an amazing guy, has a lot of insight to offer. And so we're kind of trying to in steps each year give people more guidance and offering on of knowledge for the program um but yeah so we're looking for half length plays about 45 minutes to 60 minutes or a or a healthy 75 minutes you know really depends on the piece uh uh plays or plays with music but not musicals at this time because mm-hmm. we really like it to be focused on plays specifically um that may change in the future but at this time that's what we're focusing on and what else can I tell you? Uh, writers 18 and up within a 100-mile radius of Sioux Falls. So we're focused on local, mm-hmm. uh, semi-developed writers. You know, I've been doing a lot of outreach um, at universities and speaking to different students there because we like uh, people in that age range because they are currently working on that, like... Uh, that skill so it's kind of very accessible to them but then we're open to whoever else you know what i mean whoever else has a story to tell so we're going to continue to hone in on like which audiences uh we're honing in on each year too but this year it's been uh like the college age range um anyway so yeah we'll accept submissions and then last year we did it in july i believe correct me if i'm wrong but this year we'll be doing it i believe in august um 
which is our festival of new plays readings. And so at that point, um, the submissions for the premier premieres will have been reviewed in a blind submission process. And through that process, we will identify our semifinalists, which <clears throat> we haven't confirmed or identified the number of semifinalists for this year that will be to be announced. One of the things that I uh, was really intrigued by uh, was that when it came to the reading of the new plays is there was a, you could only have one or two rehearsals mm -hmm. beforehand and it was strictly the reading uh, when you went in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, no props. You didn't get, you didn't stand up and walk around and no blocking mm -hmm. or anything like that. And so then you narrow it down to the final two from that. Mm -hmm. uh, and the great judges uh, mm -hmm. that were uh, on that to panel, no doubt about it. And we'll continue with that. Uh, judges typically from the collegiate theater yeah. arena. And uh, it was just uh, phenomenal to watch and then get the feedback for as well. Uh, and, you know, the different thoughts that, uh, you know, those judges that also, for the most part, directors mm -hmm. uh, would say, you know, what if this took place? What if you moved? What if you combined? Uh, and, you know, just a, a phenomenal thing. And uh, so thank you for bringing that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought that was another one of those ways that to the outreach, you know, maybe there were some people that normally wouldn't be trying out for something at Premier Playhouse. Exactly. We had a great audition yeah. turnout. So it helped us find like a new wing of community of mm -hmm. people that we necessarily haven't necessarily like engaged with, which was really, really cool. Um, and also I want to comment on what you said about the adjudicators giving that really great feedback because we kind of, since I inherited the program and kind of, was doing my like learning it all as I went, you know, um, there was a lot of things to figure out, but what I will say is we tried to create that continuity. So, um, when they got that feedback, I actually was following up with the writers about like what changes they were making based on that. And when we had directors attached and they were in rehearsals, you know, they were figuring out, figuring out all of that. And you know, we were a part of a critical response process. So the cast got to respond to, what they thought the play meant and all of those fun new play de development things. Uh, so we really try to make it pr a program for the people that end up the two finalist plays. Um, it's just really an incredible program. Oh, no doubt about that. Fun times uh, as well, being involved in that. Uh, and uh, what's been the feedback from the community over that? The community seemed to love it. I mean, we sold out two of our four performances and the other two were well uh, attended and people were kind of obsessed. I don't know. They were just <laughs> like, they, I think they didn't know what to expect. And then, um, or that's what I, what I heard a lot. People were like, I didn't know what to expect, but that was the coolest thing ever. And I think they also liked how different this year's plays were and were really impressed with like the caliber of what they were, True. but that's why they were chosen. So it was just like, we knew what, <laughs> like how special it was, but then audiences got to see how special it was. And yeah, I would say most people were really responsive to it and we want it to be something that grows. And actually this coming year, we're moving it to the Orpheum. 
So our entire main stage season will be at the Orpheum. We loved being at the Belvis, but um, this allows us to fill more seats if mm-hmm. people, if it becomes such a big hit. So we're trying to make it really a, a local artist collaboration, like festival feeling. Um, and because of that, we think we can do more with that at the Orpheum. All right. But in the meantime, there's going to be a clash for playwriting on the 6th of yep. May. And June what for the uh, final submission? June 9th. 9th. Okay. So somebody and I have to get real get going here. <laughs> uh, all Love right. That. Yeah. So what have you been learning in your tenure now here at uh, the Premier Playhouse? What has driven you more? I mean, because you had a a hell of a resume coming in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what gives you that passion to keep, you know, top of the charts with things? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think what I've been actually kind of thinking about and speaking on lately is that producing, when you're producing, you, there are always surprises. Each time you do it, Um, you learn something new inevitably and most of the time you can kind of well I guess all jobs have like surprises right but you can kind of figure out the flow and there's like or it's not your problem right with the producer it's always your problem so somebody can come to you with anything (laughs) but I kind of love that I love that because I I like that the work has a challenge in that way there's no way to get uh, stagnant so I can really learn the ins and outs of my job, but that doesn't mean that every day is going to be easy, but I kind of like that challenge, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, it's fun to, to thrive on helping people problem solve. Um, and sometimes it can be really, really exhausting, but if you get that reset, then um, you're ready to do it again. I just love supporting artists, putting the right people together in the room and, and all that good stuff. So I feel like I've, what I've learned a lot, about though is doing it in this environment you know what i mean so like coming into a role and an organization with a lot of history and like assimilating to what came before but also like finding my new way of doing it so it's been a really fun uh learning season in that way all right you know the standard questions at the end you know when you're not involved in arts and entertainment (laughs) what do you enjoy being entertained by hmm i think my Hmm. My most recent response to that is I'm going to surprise people watching basketball. <laughs> but that's like the because... NCAA tourney or <laughs> like college basketball with my boyfriend because he makes uh-huh. me watch it. So it's like kind of a <laughs> passive role, but like I'm becoming more under, I like understand it more, which is, so that's kind of fun. And then also um, Nintendo switch, like Mario party, Mario Kart. <laughs> smash bros all that good stuff i because i think i told you the last time i was on i'm trying to find hobbies you know yeah and so those are my like current hobbies all right uh well it's always a great pleasure having you here thank you so much oliver thank you dave and we'll be back with more of the dave holly hour in just a moment helping women feel empowered and confident is what posh boutique at the bridges at 57th does while supplying high quality clothing that fits your lifestyle personality and price point Whether you want comfy and cozy, casual attire, or something for a special occasion, Posh provides quality, selection, and value. They carry sizes extra small to 3X and have something appropriate for any age. Feel empowered and get confident. 
Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57. Check out the new ceramic studio in Sioux Falls, conveniently located off Kiwanis Avenue on 5th Street. TJS Ceramics. Bisque, studio time, or finished custom items are available. Visit TJS Ceramics Studio in Sioux Falls today. It's another Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment Conversation on the Dave Holly Hour. Welcome back, everybody. So thankful that you, too, are just like me, and you love to hear great conversations and talk about Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment, and you also love it when we get new guests on the show. And, uh, man, I think we're over 250 separate guests now, uh, and uh, it just keeps going. And we keep having fun. We keep learning about people. And today, joining us is local comedian Reed Baxter. How are you, Reed? I'm doing well. How are you? Glad to hear that. I'm doing well also. Good. Thank you. Uh, and uh, now you had at one time turned me down to be on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. because Scheduling said, conflicts. Well, it wasn't even so much scheduling conflicts. It was more like, you know, I'm just not feeling it right yeah, now. Hey. And and uh, I, I see that uh, with comedians often, that there are times where it's just mm. not, you're, you're doubting yourself and so forth, but you just competed mm. in Last Comic Standing this yeah. past weekend, yep. and you had a great set. Uh, you did not get in the top three, yeah. but you had a great set, you had great crowd reaction, and it pumped you up. Oh, yeah. Um what was the difference in it? You know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I get to a point to where I, I, I'm, I'm very. Everybody has a, their own worst, worst critic. critic. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I am, I am, I am just that. So, like, when I have a bad show or a small crowd where nothing happens, no reaction, then I get super discouraged. Um, and then I kind of go on a little hiatus for a little bit. And it makes me second guess a lot of the jokes or, you know, my my choice of doing stand up, you know, but but then you have shows like like you do on, on Friday and stuff like that with a great turnout and a big crowd. Then then something just comes back full circle and you're like, oh, all right, I can do this. So I think it's um I think it's just important to keep that in mind, like just because you have one or two bad shows within a, you know, a month or, or whatever, just keep going because. It's going to happen no matter what. Well, and, and you know that uh, everybody's uh, had a bad show. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everybody has had a situation where they bombed. Yep. Uh, you know, you watch uh, Seinfeld, any of those guys, mm -hmm. uh, when they're getting interviewed and they will tell you about those <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah. And it's it's kind of hard to believe. Yep. Uh, but by the same token, you know, like uh, we mentioned, everybody is their own worst critic. Yep. So who was your sounding board then for when you start writing a joke and you want to know? If it's something that's going to get into your set, if it's if it's good enough to keep in there, mm -hmm. um, well, my wife for one, but she doesn't always appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to live with me all the time. Um, no, I'll do the open mics and stuff like that around the area, um, whether it be out of bosses or or luckies when I can. Um, but yeah, that that's the the real test uh is to try out the jokes at the mics really mm -hmm. just to get out there and just try it and if it doesn't work then either you work on it or write it off and come up with something else but 
What uh, made you want to become a comedian? Oh my god. This is going to be such a poser answer. Um, so 2005, I, oh man, name dropping. So I was heavy, heavy into Dane Cook, which at that time a lot of people were. Right. Because he was blowing up. And so I just got inspired. I was like, you know what? I'm going to write some stuff. I'm going to try this. And I found a, uh open mic at Washington Pavilion that I think it was Lincoln High School or something like that put on. Really? So it was like a mixture of like music, poetry, uh, whatever whatever you want right. to bring. So yeah, I tried it then and just kind of got the itch for it at that point in time. Um, yeah. Even though the first time, like what I said before, you have to keep in mind just to keep going. Being as it was my first time, it wasn't very good. <laughs> like, so I was like, you know what? I tried it. I'm going to do it again. We'll try to improve what I have here and then go from there. So, all right. So the first time that you felt it when you were on stage, it was yeah. It was it's where, weird. So when you, for the first time, like you try it, I think everybody's a little different. But for me, yeah, when I first tried it, I just it just got right under the skin, and you're like, all right, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for a while. Um, yeah, ever since, since 2005, I've been. Kind of on and off on it, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of fun. It's a good Were time. Were you a joke teller in uh, school, <laughs> or in, in your early ages? You know, because most of us, you know, we have a joke. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody has a, a favorite joke that they like to tell, and then there's people that love telling jokes and jokes and jokes and jokes, and they don't realize that stand up is such a completely different bird. Yeah. Um. <laughs> school? No, I didn't really tell jokes. But I was I was that person that was, that was messing around in class or something like that, and or always being told to pay attention or something or stop distracting the person next to you. And then PTA comes, like conferences come up, and then they tell my parents, like, "Are you being distracting to other kids?" Like, "No, they're talking to me. I swear." So yeah. Well, I've, I've one of the one of the few times my my mother defended me uh, with the teacher was at uh, parent teacher conferences. Yeah. Uh, because, well, I had a tendency to mimic a lot of people, oh, yeah. in, including a teacher. <laughs> and when he told her that I had been imitating mm. him, she said, well, that might be kind of my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so your mom took part in the imitation process. Yes, yeah, she did. Oh, no. <laughs> Nobody blame it, Mom. Yeah, okay. So, had you uh, were you married at the point when you decided to do comedy? No, I was still in high school. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this is 2005. That was the same year I graduated. Um, we got married. I got married uh, to my beautiful wife, of course. Um, in 2018? Don't miss this one. 18? Yeah. Okay. No, it wasn't 2018. Um, you got married... 2021 it was like during it was so we were planning pre-covid or yeah it was like we were planning during um as it was kind of starting to slow down Mm -hmm. um yeah it was and we were both working from home too so trying not to drive each other crazy (laughs) while doing the wedding planning (laughs) but she honestly she did most of it and she was just a trooper throughout the whole thing um but when you got to the point of uh, 
engagement and so forth and you know actually knowing that it, this was a person that you wanted to spend the rest of your life mm-hmm. with did she know that you wanted to be a comedian oh yeah and what was her reaction um she was totally fine with it oh, that's um, cool yeah she yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah i think she she enjoys that i have something that i like to go out and do mm-hmm. um and i enjoy it that makes me happy um, just like her, she's got her things that she likes to enjoy to do and makes her happy too. And that's important just to kind of have have that for yourself, something to go out and make you happy and just pursue. Um, she knows, yeah, she knows that this is what I like to do and, and she doesn't prevent me really from doing any of it. She's actually super supportive. Um, you know, like I said, there will be times where I try to shoot a joke at her and then I'll get the eye roll or something like that but that's you know that one's not going in right? that's part of marriage i think yeah. is what it is <laughs> so what uh is your process when it comes to actually making uh, to sitting down writing so that it's a oh, bit man. not I, a joke i i don't honestly i don't really have a specific process if, if something just crawls up into my brain I'll, you know, I'll either, if I have something handy to write down or I'll have my phone usually and open up the notepad in there and I'll jot down uh, a sentence or some main keywords from that, from that thought. And then I'll just kind of go from there and build off of it. So whether I'm just like out and about just hearing stuff or I'm just sitting at home on my butt, which the majority of that time is the joke writing time. Um, and yeah, no specific system or anything. Um, I'm trying to get better at, uh, listening, I guess I should say I, so be other people stand up and like podcasts and stuff like that. I am a terrible person at listening to because for example, like stand up and stuff like that, like watching other people do stand up is a great way to develop and, you know, take notes or whatever and say oh yeah that's funny maybe i can maybe i have an idea like that that i can work off of or without completely stealing material of course uh but i am terrible at that because i get super jealous (laughs) 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 it's like and and the way some of the the comedians like deliver their material and, and and make the crowd work is just amazing to me and and when i get into the mindset of like that's what i want to do that's what i want to do but then when you try that and it just doesn't work out then that's when the more of the discouraging portion comes up again and the yeah the jealousy but that's one thing i'm trying to get better at is not take things too to heart so like that and mm-hmm. just and just work from it right yep all right i think you may be the first one that's ever said he's been jealous oh i of, of even other like performers even the locals around here mm-hmm. oh my gosh like they like amazing um i'll sit there and watch watch one of them and then they'll, they'll say a bit i'm like man what did i think of that this is so simple <laughs> right. you know what i mean yeah uh, it's it, pretty much anybody that that comes with it with great joke that just makes people laugh I just, there's something inside of me that's just like oh you should have done that but yeah learn from it and, and get better so who do you respect that is a local comic there's there's so many of them oh you got uh nate holtz you know zach dresch um and there's a lot that have gotten you know way better since they've uh started um you got like jerry irby and chris fryer and uh little wendell's and and uh 
um, 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 you know, uh, Preston Williams. Oh yeah. Um, God, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting another one. No, there's there is you quite know, a few. Yeah, Skyler Bulks. Skyler, yeah. of course, that gigantic man. Yeah. Uh, Ian. Uh, just yeah. yeah, pretty much like any like a lot of the a lot of the guys that we really just, that we really see at the mics, I. I I do kind of idolize and and I do get super jealous of those guys too because they like their material is good and it's gotten so much better over the years and they've they've grown a lot so it's it's awesome to see. How do you feel you've grown as a comedian? I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, of course like since I've started like gotten way better if you know because it's it just comes with time over the years the more you get out there and the more you do it and repetition and stuff like that um i don't i don't know i can't i i don't like ranking myself i don't like putting myself into a position i just i like to go out there and just do it and as long as everybody has fun and laughs and you know maybe says like good job after the show something like that that's all i really need you know being your own worst critic as we all are and we've talked about this a couple times already When you have finished a set, yeah. do you immediately go into critique mode? Oh, absolutely. Uh, like after Friday's set um, that we did at the district for uh, that, as soon as I got off stage, like I'm, I kind of just got to myself, like in a room, like in a position where I'm just like kind of quiet, and I'm like. All right, what did I forget? <laughs> What's the one thing that I forgot to say? And then I pull up my phone. I'm like listening because I record, you know, so I'm listening to it. I'm like, what? But uh, yeah, like immediately right after I'm off, I'm like, what did I forget to say? And then, yeah, you're reviewing and like, but it, that's always going to happen too, I think, especially with me. Like, yeah, there is always something that I think I'm going to forget, even when I don't. Like, you just always have that that mindset after after a show. I do anyway. You record every time? Not every time. Um, a lot of like the, especially when I'm trying new stuff. Right. I will. That way I can kind of hear it. And then the, like, I'm a, I like to hear things better than I like to read them. So I actually have to hear it. And then that way I can kind of build off of it a little bit better. So yeah, those mics I'll record from time to time. The, the bigger shows I will, uh, depends. Um, but yeah, the mics for sure. All right, so you build off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there times where you uh, rewrite the joke completely? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like uh, my my, I have my local bits, like the the zoo and the corn palace and stuff. I can't count how many times that I've revised those, or I like not even revised. Like sometimes when I'm on stage, different times I'll tell it a different way. Um, yeah, so there's been a lot actually, and then there's been some where I used to tell that where I thought were really good, but then you just discard them completely because mm-hmm. you got to move on from them. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. It, is there one bit that you have in every show that's like your go-to bit? I have a few of them. Um, my intro that I like to do, you know, thank for everybody coming out. Who's drinking? I'm drinking. I like a cocktail, but 
Right. I don't know how to yeah. make them. Yeah. <laughs> that one's a good one because, you know, that's, right. I don't know why. It's because, like, like I said during the joke, I'm like, you know how people say when you're nervous, you know, picture them in the underwear. Nope, I flip it. I want you, <laughs> I want you to see me. <laughs> And I don't know. I, to well, me, jealousy and flipping the old uh, man, <laughs> everybody naked part. Like to me, that like, I don't know that. Like that just kind of to me that just kind of like sets the level of kind of how I'm gonna maybe be throughout the whole the rest mm-hmm. of the rest of the show. Um, so yeah, I got that one, and then I got the these are my pants bit. Um, those are the two I think are my favorite that work really well. What are you working on now? What's what's a uh, a, a joke that we might catch you? trying for the first time at an open mic that's a tough one I don't really I, I find myself right now going back to a lot of my original stuff mm-hmm. that I used to tell and, and revamping that um, I, there's a couple of like current event ones I have added in there um, like the Wisconsin school one with like Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton. Um, so like I, I've been trying to get better at like current event stuff um, without getting too, whether it be political or controversial or stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't like to do political or controversial stuff too much. Um, and, but if there's ever a point in my show where I say something, you know, if, if, I don't, if someone come up to me after the show and, and let me know, I'm totally fine with that. And we can have a conversation yeah. about it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just do stupid comedy. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe myself. Well, you know, the, the one feature to, if you do social commentary, yeah. you know, yeah. and you know, you're doing the politics, things along that line. Yeah. Then remember, you got to be funny. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, if, you, yeah, you, if you're going to you, do those topics, you have to. You can't just go out there and give your lecture. Nope. That's nope. not gonna fly. Nope. You that's, have to have humor to it. Yep. And that's and I think that's what a lot of people like when they say, like, yeah, that'd be easy, I can go up and do that. But then they you know, they would do it and tell out a full story and then they're like there's no punchline right. there or anything like that at all. So yeah, you gotta if you're doing that kind of stuff, you gotta be ready for the punchline on those. Speaking of punchlines, uh the old standard for a joke is set up, set up, punch. Yep. How does that differ when you've got to make it a bit? Oh. I feel like we got to ask a professional comedian on that one. <laughs> um, a professional comedian, you've been paid. <laughs> so it was ten bucks, but. <laughs> um, I don't really know. To me, like the setup, setup, setup punchline is more like. Your, your common jokes like guy walks into a right. bar blah 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 for me i think i think a lot of my stuff is more bits than anything i think um when i I don't know. I, I I consider my more of my stuff bits. So like I don't do like the the, mm-hmm. the setup 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 punchline. Like there'll be some funny, you know, inserts in there where I'll, I'll say something funny or, or whatever. But yeah, I I I I think it's I'm more of a of a bit person than I am the the setup person like that. So I really 
don't know. <laughs> it's like, sorry for to get to the short answer of a long-winded trying to explain. Um, you know, the one thing know. that I really admire uh, with a, a good comedian is the callbacks. That's um, so that's one thing I'm trying to get better at, and I do have one, which is the not my pants joke. Mm-hmm. That's that's because that's my that's my keeper because it's a good callback, and that's what I really end on because it involves my wife. Um, so yeah, they, I'm I'm trying to do more callback material because those are the ones I usually hit pretty good. Um, And my wife has been a big inspiration on that kind of stuff. <laughs> so what's the uh, the next thing you have coming up now? Where are you going to be? I'm going to be at home on my couch waiting for people, <laughs> waiting I, for people to call. I have nothing. So, yeah, right now me and my wife are, you know, have a little bit of a busy time. Well, um, yes, and uh, yeah. you're you're going to be a father. I am. I am. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Come July, July 11th, supposedly is when the arrival of our little one. Um, but do you know the gender? I do. Uh, Are you telling the it gender? It's a boy. It's a boy. It's a boy. Okay. Um, yeah. No, we're 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 not keeping anything secret. We're just like, yep, here it is. Like I wanted to wait a little bit, but she, like I wanted to wait to be surprised, but she she didn't want to, so I'm like, all right, we'll just find out, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care either way, boy and girl doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, boy, uh, we are naming him Lennox. Okay. Yeah. Not did a name. Did you live there? No, we didn't. <laughs> it was this. Uh, we did. I like. She, she thought of it. And she, and we didn't even think of the town. I think she just heard the name somewhere, and she was like, "You know what? I never hear anybody called that at all." That's true. And it works on two levels, whether male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, so I'm gonna I'll be calling him Lenny, probably a lot for short. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and then you can you know think of Lenny Bruce, the great yep. comic. Yep. <laughs> oh my. And then uh, middle name, we're going for uh, her grandpa, which was named Leroy. So he's gonna be little uh, Lennox Leroy Baxter, little Lenny Leeby. Okay, so yep. he's going to be L.L. Baxter instead of L.L. Bean. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's exactly right. Uh, will your humor come through as a parent? I think I think it's going to have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, I, Just I as much know, for I, you to be able to go through it? Yeah, I say that now, like, when the kid's crying, I'll just, you know, I'll be a clown, I'll enter, you know, whatever, I'll. You know, I'll try to just make them happy as I can. I say that now, but now I know like when it comes time, I'm just gonna like have my eyes have shut, just <laughs> trying to survive. Um, yeah, but I'm I think so. And the way I am now with like telling jokes to my wife and stuff like that, uh, she's gonna go insane because <laughs> I I guarantee that kid is gonna be telling so many jokes. Especially dad jokes too, right? Yep, because I I have a I a slew a, of them. I get, well, I got a I got a book I got for Christmas from her dad, um. So I so I can't wait to read that to him. That's gonna be fun, and he's just gonna be t- I, he's just gonna be telling jokes all over the house. I think driving mom crazy while I'm laughing. All right. So in the meantime, when you're not performing, what do you like to go out and be entertained by? Go out and be entertained by? Yes. I'm saving the hobby question after that. Since I see plenty of pictures about that one. 
I like to, I don't, I don't, I, we do a lot of things, whether, you know, a lot of the time me and my wife are just go out to, uh, you know, kind of at that age where we don't really like going out as much and I'll to the bar and stuff like that. So we don't really do a lot of that. So we could usually like, we're just hanging around friends, friends house or something like that. If we do go out, it's just a little social get together. Otherwise, yeah. If there's like live music or something going on or, or live comedy or anything, I'll, we'll watch it i'm not really picky on it as long as it's entertaining and we're having everybody's having a good time we're having fun why not all right yep final question then any other hobbies yeah um (laughs) go deep (laughs) (laughs) that's what she said Uh, (laughs) i knew there had to be one for that is there a limit um, no, it's a podcast. Oh. The FCC does not rule. I could us. be swearing this whole time, David, and I didn't even know it. Yeah, but I do like to keep it uh, as family as possible. But trust me, that's not the worst thing that's been Son said on of this. A bee sting. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I almost got you. Did yeah. You, know you thought I was going to. I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want. We'll keep it clean. We never know who's listening. Uh, talent agents or something like that. Whatever. <laughs> um. They know about this. Show? I don't even know what I was. What were we talking about? Hobbies. 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 Um, I do. I I do. I do a variety of things. I don't know. Like um, you know, video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am a not as heavy as a lot of people, but I'm kind of a, a toy collector in a sense. Whether it be like nostalgia stuff or or right. recent stuff that reminds me of my childhood. What I like to do is I'll like craft little stands or dioramas or whatever for that kind of stuff so a lot of trips to hobby lobby uh-huh um ever you know get into legos or anything oh absolutely i <laughs> i could get stupid on a lego set for hours but they're so expensive like i can't yeah. i can't like there's a nintendo one that i want it's like 300 dollars like, i can't justify 300 dollars especially no. when i got a kid on the way mm-hmm. so i'll wait and just buy that stuff when he's bored and then we can both do it that yeah way. it gives me a little bit more justification well, of getting and, that stuff <laughs> and then at that point when you step on one of those little things you oh my god man yeah exactly yeah. pick up your legos <laughs> but i can't i can't get mad at him for that though because that's how i was when i was yeah. a kid i would sit there and cry and be like somebody help me pick these up there's so many and then yeah, my mom would step on them and then i would never see him again oh and that was the real house. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's like a lot of stuff right now that I wish I could buy, but I can't because you know I can't justify it right now. So we'll wait. We'll wait till he's born a little bit older, and then we can start buying that stuff. Yeah. And wait till he's out of college. That, yep, I got okay. a little bit of a better reason. <laughs> All right, Reed Baxter. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for Thank uh, taking some time to be on the Dave Holly Hour. And uh, best wishes in your comedy Thank and you. in parenthood, too. I, I will say, if I could do a plug, I'm on the YouTubes. Yes. Uh, Tiki Talks, all that stuff. Yeah, you're, you're just you're typing my the, name. Out on the social. I am. I'm out there. I'm not sure why, but I'm there. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it, my friend. <laughs> and we'll be back to wrap up the Dave Holly Hour in just a moment. Comedy magician and hypnotist Jesse Moffitt's right. He can't play the piano, but he can sure entertain crowds with his amazing magic and clever quips. His shows always make the participants the stars, especially when they've fallen asleep on stage. Uh, I mean, they've been hypnotized. Are you the party planner in your group? Then you owe it to your group to make the event magical, even if it puts you to sleep. 
here's how. For booking information, go to Jesse Moffett Entertainment on Facebook. That's J-E-S-S-E-M-O-F-F-I-T-T. Or call 605-929-0964. Ladies, when it's time to give your nails some love, get that extra special treatment from Quality Nails on South Minnesota Avenue in Sioux Falls. Manicures and pedicures that look great and make you feel fantastic. Zaya and Tony provide professional care for your hands and feet, whether you just want the basics or an extra special look with added flair. Oh, and guys, it's okay to treat yourself too. Quality Nails, call for an appointment, 605-334-1463. From the Dipsy Doodle Studios at the world headquarters of Big D Entertainment, a 40-square-foot home studio in the middle of America, it's Dave Holly. Thanks again to my great guests, Oliver Mays, and as well, Mr. Reed Baxter. And of course, thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, and following on social media, and of course, your overall support of this show. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know what? If you haven't done so so far, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, which automatically gets you entered for Pizza with a Podcaster. Also, if you want to hear all 176 episodes, I don't suggest been binge listening, but over time you can, go online, DaveHollyHour.com. As the Sioux Falls Arts Council says, together we art. As Arts South Dakota says, home is where the art is. As I say, put some art in your heart. Remember, I'm Dave Holly, and for me, every day is a holiday. The Dave Holly Hour has been brought to you by TJS Ceramics, Posh Boutique, The Sky in Tea, Excel Chiropractic, Quality Nails, Jesse Moffat Entertainment, and Sonny's Pizzeria. If you would like to contribute to the continued success of this podcast, simply buy Dave a cup of coffee. Go to DaveHollyHour.com and look for a coffee cup icon in the lower left. The Dave Holly Hour is produced in the Dipsy Doodle Studios by Big D Entertainment. Thanks for listening.